Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Amen. Do you guys realize, I'm not sure if you do or not, it's one of those things when you look at Scripture, do you realize that real, back in Abraham's day, right? Go all the way back in your mind to Genesis Meeting the needs of strangers was really one of the utmost importance. You think about it, right? In the home, a guest would outrank the family. You see, every stranger who showed up would be treated as an honored guest. If you remember in Genesis, when Abraham, there he was, and he looked up all of a sudden, and he saw what? He saw three men coming near his tent. The first thing he did, guys, is he bowed down to them. Abraham bowed down to them, and then he offered them what? He offered water to drink and to wash their feet. And if you remember, they ran around in sandals in the desert, so their feet would get pretty gross. Then he offered them a place of rest. He says, come sit in the shade, right? Let me get you something to eat. It was uh, just an amazing way of hospitality. You see, listen, in Abraham's mind, I want you to picture the scene. There he is. There's three people. In Abraham's mind, he dropped everything he was doing in favor of making these three men more comfortable. They showed up, oh my goodness, and he bows down, and let me get you something to eat, and, 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 and that's just what they did. And of course, later on, we learned that one of the men was the Lord, and the other two were angels, but Abraham bestowed his hospitality way before he knew who they were. You see, Abraham was meeting the needs of those who were, well, basically in need. And by all accounts, you could say that Abraham at this point was living radically, right? There he is minding his own business, and he's like, oh my goodness, and, and he's just living radically. Now, we've talked about two particular persons living radically, and they're all differently. You go, how so? Well, first, if you remember, we learned about a fella by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, to us, when we talk about Zacchaeus, we always think of him as a small, little man, because we've sang the song in Sunday school, you know, he climbed upon a sycamore tree to see who can see, and he was a wee little man, and so forth. But it also meant that he was small in stature, that people didn't like him, that he was socially, like, like, you know, he was just... Nobody liked him. He was the chief tax collector, and, and we saw that he was small, and he climbs up a sycamore tree, went through the whole um, teaching of what a sycamine or a sycamore tree was, and that was real good. But remember what happened. He had an encounter with Jesus. He goes up on the tree. Jesus comes walking by. says, hey, Zacchaeus. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, Lord. He says, get down. I'm going to your house. We're having a barbecue. Let's go. And he has an encounter with God. He has an encounter with Jesus that, that, guys, that causes him to get saved and now to live radical. You go, how so? If you recall, Zacchaeus did something that, that we don't even think about. What's that? He gives away half of his wealth. He goes to the bank, looks, and he says, okay, I'm going to give half of my stuff away to the poor. Something changed. My heart is radical. Why? I met Jesus. Are you kidding me? I realize that this life is, that's not all there is. I mean, there's more. There's more. I'm giving it away. Give it away. What do you want with that? Give it away. 
listen, when it comes to stuff, when it comes to stuff, whose stuff is it anyway? It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. And aren't you glad sometimes that it belongs to the Lord? Sometimes your car breaks down. You say, Lord, your car broke down. I don't know where you want me to take it. Your car, you're going to have to fix it, right? Somebody once said, God has a lot of money. So we just call on that right now. Lord, we in your car. So that, that's what he does. And then, and then he does something very interesting. He's so radical, guys. He gives back four times the amount that he stole. If he stole 25 bucks from you, he's knocking on your door and he's saying, here's a hundred. And our question is, why? Who would do that? Someone who met Jesus? Someone who had a real encounter with God? Why? Because things are changed. Guys, you got to grasp this. you got to grasp this. Why? Because we're so looking for an encounter with God. We don't come to Calvary Chapel on Wednesday night just to get another sermon. We're looking to encounter God. We're looking to come in and say, Lord, just we just want to hear your voice. We want to see you tonight, God. We want to feel you in our hearts, and we want to encounter you and, and let him do that work and, and not pay attention to our past and what our past is telling us to do and how, how we were messed up. And, and, and we're saying, no, 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 that's done. Zacchaeus didn't go, well, listen, I'm a tax collector. And so he just said, I'm radical. And we saw how living radical was, was based upon, first and foremost, an encounter with Jesus. And so here's my question to you, church. Have you had your encounter with Jesus? Have you had that encounter? We call it a defining moment. Something in your heart where you're like, yes, my life changed. It changed. I can't explain it. I know I was walking this way, and now I'm walking this way, and I don't understand it, and my parents don't understand it, and my friends don't understand it, my wife doesn't understand it. I've had an encounter with Jesus. I hope Mrs. Zacchaeus knew that he was going to give away half of their stuff. But I bet she got saved too. It's contagious. When you have an encounter with Jesus, it's contagious. And then last week, who do we see? Point number two, guys, we saw, we saw what? We talked about Daniel. And Daniel actually was a solid leader. Why? Because he had some compadres named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what happened was that Daniel was just living his life, and he was radical. Why? Because Daniel stood up in a world that was going in the wrong direction. He says, I am a Hebrew, not a heathen. And his buddies were like, uh, yeah, 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 we're, we're heathen too. I mean, we're Hebrew too. We're not heathens. And, and they followed Daniel in. And we talked about, guys, we talked about regardless what everybody else was doing. Daniel stood up and he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live radical. I'm going to follow God. Daniel, what do you think? Would you want to compromise a little bit in your walk? No. Listen, I'm a Hebrew. I love God. Listen, you can keep, you can keep all the delicacies of the king. You can keep the wine. You can keep the perks. You can keep the overtime. You can keep the bonus. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow God. Daniel, you're not going home. I don't care. I don't care. One day I'm going to go home. You see, Daniel ended up being buried probably died there in Babylon. Guys, this is our Babylon. This is, Babylon is a type of the world. We are like in the world. You guys know what I'm talking about? But this is not our home. Our home is looking forward to one day being with Jesus. Now, let me tell you this, guys. Heaven is not a reward because a reward is given for something that you work for. Heaven is already there. It's your blessing. 
But, it's, but that's your home. Why is it my home? Because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Well, Daniel says, now, Daniel says, I'm, I, I'm, not, a, I'm not a heathen, I'm a Hebrew. And I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to follow God. And I'm going to do my very best. Now, Captain Obvious to us says that Daniel wasn't perfect. Amen? And so Daniel says, listen, man, I'm, I am a, I'm a Hebrew. I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to follow God regardless of what everybody else is doing. And he was living radically, guys, not because he did anything supernatural, but because he just simply wanted to obey the Lord. So we saw Zacchaeus. We saw Daniel. Well, this week I decided, let's talk about, let's talk about a woman, right? And so this week we're going to meet a woman who got saved in Joppa, and she lived a radical life by meeting the needs of those around her. See, much like Abraham, to live radical can mean, well, you guys know, it can mean like meeting the needs of those that are less fortunate. Meeting indeed the, the needs of those around us is really a primary importance to the Lord. How so? If you're taking note, jot this down. It's Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. It says, if you see your enemy hungry, go buy him lunch. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness and God will look after you. Can you imagine? That is so foreign in this world. What do you mean, my enemy? You know what? I'll give my enemy poison lunch. Are you kidding me? Well, I hope he just, yeah, I hope he just. Here, here's what the Word of God says, guys. The Word of God says for you and I as believers, it says, the Lord takes that importance, right? What does he say? He says, if you see your enemy hungry, go give him a lunch. If your enemy is thirsty, buy him a Coke. Buy him some Gatorade. Water. Your generosity, guys, will surprise him with goodness. And God's going to take care of you. Can you imagine meeting the needs of your enemies? And yet the word of God declares this in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. He says this, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Why? For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You guys know what I'm talking about? It says, don't forget, and I'll never forget this in my mind as long as I live. I've shared it before, but I remember I was just, I was a kid. I had to have been about 11... 12 years old, and I remember we were at home, and this little lady, little lady came to the door. Now, we had a, we had a side door that everybody used, right? Mostly everybody kind of came in, that's kind of went in, and we had a front door that nobody used. Well, she came to the front door, little lady, and she knocks. We didn't have a doorbell. She knocks. And it was me and my sister there, I remember. And we came to the door, and I mean, you know, here she was, and she's just looking at us, and, and we're just like, what? Because nobody ever comes to the front door, so, I mean, obviously it's a stranger. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm going, and she asks for some bread. And, of course, we're freaked out, right? We're just like, man, I don't know. We don't know this lady, bread. We don't have any bread. I mean, and so I, my sister said, I'm sorry, we just, we don't have any. And she sort of kind of, and she's a little, I mean, literally walk like this. You know what I'm talking about? And so we close the door and my sister's like this. Oh, I feel so bad. Maybe I should have, I should have given her something. 
And so she looks at me, and I'm like 11 going, what do you want me to do? And she goes, here. So she runs to the kitchen, not more than four or five minutes. She goes to the kitchen. She goes, here, go give her, go give her the bread, right? I run out the door. I could not find her. I could not find I mean, it wasn't more than three to five minutes. She's walking like this. And I couldn't find her. And I thought, I bet that was an angel. I'll never forget that. I mean, how fast could a little old lady walk? And she was gone. And that's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. Because, guys, don't forget to show hospitality. Why? Because, listen, some have done this, and you've entertained angels. Now, apparently, we didn't give this angel bread. Lord, forgive us. But that's what we do. So, what does it mean to live radical, church? Last week, we said, well, Ben, I know. I know what's radical. Overseas mission trips. That's what we need to do. We need to go overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, when, when Brian Hodges gets set up in Ethiopia, he says, let's take a team out there and minister. So, if you want to be radical, we're going to Ethiopia in about a year or two. I'm not going to Ethiopia. That's a 24-hour trip. I know. It's a long flight. Drive. That could be radical, right? You go, that could be radical. Yeah, I could be radical. Now, some of you are like, I'm in! And you had, okay, I get that. But that could be an overseas mission trip. Or we think guys standing on the street corner preaching the gospel so at anybody who will listen, listen, time is short and we got to tell people about Jesus. Come on, Jesus, Jesus. And, and we would say that would be radical. Or maybe it would be late night witnessing in the depot district. There you are, 2 o'clock in the morning, you see people come out, they're stumbling to find their cars and you're telling them desperately about the love of Jesus. Why? Because listen, church, you want them to have an encounter with God. You could say that would be radical. We could name so many things that we could do for God in the name of radical living, but quite honestly, we learned, ready if you're taking note, that we simply purpose in our hearts to live the way God commanded us to, people are going to look at you and call you radical. If you would just purpose to live for God. I read a story this week that captured the heart of radical living and really meeting the needs of other people. Listen up as I read this. He says, one day, this pastor said, one day I was visiting with a pastor of a semi-huge church, pretty decent-sized church. This pastor went into detail about a prayer team that he had been organizing to pray for the people in the community who were lost and for those who were without work or homeless. After he finished describing the elaborate efforts he put into organizing his community-wide team of prayer warriors, I asked, what else are they doing for the people whom they were praying? Pastor, what else are you doing? He got that deer-in-the-headlights look for a moment and quietly said nothing. We're depending on the Lord to take care of them. As gently as I could under the circumstances, I said, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor, but if my memory is correct, the last time the Lord dropped food out of heaven, he did so for the Israelites when they were wandering around in the wilderness. Ever since then, he has seemed more inclined to use folks like you and me to supply food for the hungry and for the shelter and shelter for the homeless. Could it be that 
That is why he has inspired you to put this community-wide team to minister to the physical needs of all the people and then to their spiritual needs. See, it's much easier to tell others about Jesus if your words aren't being drowned out by their growling stomachs. Praise God that pastor was not offended and did not take and did and did take what I said to heart. You see, our story today, church, is much there's not much written about the lady named Tabitha. In your Bibles, it is either going to say Tabitha or it's going to say Dorcas. But here's what we've learned. We've learned that she has lived a radical life for Jesus. And here's how she's done it. You ready? Really simple. One, two, three. She's just looked around and she's, and she started to see needs within the community and begin to just meet those needs. That's all she did. She just began to meet a need. I see a need. I need, I can meet that need. That's what it means to be radical. Now, here's her story, guys. Acts chapter 9. We're going to pick it up in verse 36. Now, again, this is someone we don't know or hear a lot about. Some of you go, I don't even know who this is. I've heard of Paul, and I've heard of Peter, and I've heard of Elijah, and I've heard of Daniel, but Dorcas, Tabitha, who is she? Verse 36, it says, At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Now, that's just a verse. There there it is. That's all we get. You're like, one verse? Now, this, this verse right here, verse 36, pretty much sums up her ministry. So before we move on to the rest of the story, we need to break down this verse. Okay, so here's what we know about Dorcas, okay, or Tabitha in the Bible. We know that she lived in a town of Joppa. Now, Joppa is on the sea coast of the Mediterranean Sea. I know that if you go to Israel, Israel with us in 2018, uh, 19, excuse me, we always go to Joppa. It's beautiful beautiful. The the Mediterranean Sea goes out that way. We know someone else who's famous, right? We just studied him, right? We His name was Jonah, right? Jonah was ran down to Joppa, got on a ship, and took off. So we know she lives in the town of Joppa, modern-day Jaffa. Dorcas, if you will, was also called Tabitha. Dorcas is the Greek name meaning gazelle, and Tabitha is the Aramaic rendering of the same name. So it means what? Tabitha or Dorcas Dorcas was a charitable person who made things, especially clothing for the needy in Joppa. Okay, so let's unpack it a little bit. First and foremost, if you're taking note, her name means deer or gazelle, translated graceful. It's also the emblem of beauty. That's what her name means. Now, of course, we go, well, Dorcas, that sounds funny. Sounds like she's a dork. But it actually means it's just this emblem of beauty or Tabitha. Tabitha, who's that? Wow. Can you imagine graceful? Graceful. When, when, when Tabitha walks in the room at church, when she walks in the sanctuary, people, oh, she's so graceful because she has a heart and, and, and she's got the emblem of beauty and she's just got this gazelle. 
And we know from the scripture that she's lived in, she lives in Joppa right now. We know it's a seaport on the Mediterranean, but here's what we also need to declare and learn that she was a disciple. Did you guys see that? The Bible calls her a disciple. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple. And I love that. Why? Because the Bible, first and foremost, tells us that she's a Christian, but much, much more than a Christian, that she is a what? She's a disciple. Why? Well, all disciples are Christians, but not all Christians are disciples. Let me say that again, okay? All disciples are Christians, but not all Christians have moved in from, from into being a disciple, into being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Guys, let, let, a, lot of, a lot of people that we love are stuck. They're stuck, and they're just Christian in name only, and they haven't moved to the place where they're going to be a full-on disciple of Jesus Christ. Pastor, how do I become a disciple? Do I have to take the disciple class? No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is, is that you're saying, listen, I'm ready to follow Jesus. He is much more than my number one. He is my everything. I'm going to be a fully devoted follower. I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to be disciplined to do what God has called me to do. Tabitha, much more than a Christian. She was a disciple. She was a disciple. Because she was a disciple and because she was a Christian, we can probably bet that she had an encounter with God. She had an encounter with Jesus. But guys, we need to understand that that this happens in the book of Acts. So Jesus had already ascended. He's already in heaven. He's already sent the Holy Spirit. So she actually probably becomes a Christian, much like we did, probably like all of us, in, in, in a home church. Somebody invited her to Calvary Chapel Joppa, just saying. She comes in, not sure who's preaching, could be Peter, and Tabitha gets saved. She gets saved. Why? Because the pastor says, hey, how many of you here today would say, yes, and I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm ready to surrender my life. The pastor might say, hey, listen, you know, how many of you here feel like you're a million miles away from God, but listen, you're one decision away to follow, to come to Jesus, and Listen, if you're ready to surrender and follow God and have an encounter with Jesus, will you lift up your hand? And so many hands went up, and probably Tabitha was one of them that said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. And she had this great encounter at church. And because she had this encounter of church, guess what happened? The Lord began to put in her heart and said, listen, okay, so, so you love me, right? Yes, Lord, I love you. I gave my life to you. Well, the natural byproduct of loving God is now loving people. So how can I love people? Well, Tabitha, you can pray for people. Yes, I can pray for people. But, but, but I, I need to do something a little bit more. I need to live. I want to live my life a little bit radical. How do I do that? Well, I, I know I can begin to meet the needs of people around me. I don't have a lot of money. But I can, I can do, you know what? I'm really good at sewing. And if I could sew for Jesus and I could sew clothes for those that are widows and I can just make stuff, could you, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Guys, Tabitha, Tabitha Dorcas, 
Yeah, she knew what it meant to live a radical life because her heart was regenerated. And as a result, it was the source of her unselfish life and charitable deeds. Think about this, guys. Think about this, okay? Behind her sewing of garments probably was a saved soul. Oh, pastor, she just sewed garments. I mean, no, 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 no. Listen, do you realize that with your talent, your gifting, that God can save souls? Oh, pastor, I thought I, I thought I had to be up on the platform, and I just had to, like, like, I thought I had to be like a Billy Graham. No, no, no. She is a Billy Graham, if you will, with sewing. Why? She's meeting the needs of people, and behind every sew, every sewing of garments was a saved soul. Well, the Bible says she also gave what charitable deeds. What does that mean? It was the giving of alms. She, she gave stuff away. How radical would it be if someone walked in your house and said, hey, that's a pretty nice, you name it. Hey, that's a pretty nice 36-inch TV. And you said, you want it? Take it. No, 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 no. It's yours. It's yours. Or you go, Ben, that's, I don't know, that's my TV. You know, 36, I don't mind. I ain't giving away my 65-inch. The point is, is how about if we just radical enough that maybe we don't give away our TVs, but, but you buy a meal for somebody because God put that in your heart. Or, or you do something radical to meet the needs of somebody else. You go, what? I go to the grocery store and I buy one extra bag. Pastor, we can't afford it. One extra bag of, of macaroni. I just buy one bag and I always have it ready to give away to whoever God puts in my heart. Why? Be, because behind each one, guys, think about it. Behind each one is what? Is a saved soul. One year, a few years back, some of you remember this, we did a trunk or treat. And what we did is we, um, were you here, Joe? Yes. Trunk or treat? Maybe not. We, we, um, we collected $20 from each person and we bought $20 worth of groceries in each bag. And we, we, I mean, we shopped coupons, we did everything, and we, we filled up the truck literally. I mean, I remember that. We filled up our truck bed literally with grocery bags and then we we put a tent there and we put a big sign and here's what we put we put trunk or treat food for those in need in prayer and people would come and they would stop by on halloween and they would get a bag of groceries and the testimony that i got i'll never forget the testimony i got one lady drove up it was kind of late we were we were getting ready to be done and we gave her a bag of groceries and, and, and you know in there we had like like canned goods and macaronis and and a loaf of bread and peanut butter things like that right and she was like, you know, she said, I've got to tell you, and this was her testimony. It wasn't forced or anything. She said, I was, I went to get my kids something to eat and realized that the bread that we had was molded. And my kids were wanting something to eat and we didn't, and I don't get my food stamps till Monday. You guys know how that is, right? And so we were driving around and I didn't know what to do. And we pulled in here and look at this, you've given us 
enough groceries. And I was like, wow. You see, that's exactly what Tabitha was doing. But the one thing we need to remember, guys, is God, first and foremost, he claims our hearts before our talents. That's what he did. He, he says, I'm going to save you first, and then, and then. You see, because it says back in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it says, Tabitha was full of good works and charitable deeds in what she did. Dorcas was a woman, guys, which means she served humanity as freely as she did. You see, the, the words of Jesus had no doubt been moving powerfully in her soul. You go, what words? It was, remember when he said, for I was hungered and you gave me meat and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in and you clothed me naked and you clothed me and I was sick and you visited me in prison. You came to see me as much as you have done it unto the least of my brothers. You have done it for me. I'm sure that Tabitha was thinking, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. Jesus actually gives us a good example of what that means. You go, how so? Meeting the needs of people, right? You go, what do you mean? Okay, hold your place here in Acts chapter 6 and turn with me to John chapter 6. Acts chapter 9, pardon me, and then turn to John chapter 6. Okay, we know the story. You go, what's the story? You guys remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Do you remember that? The feeding of the 5,000? But in its purest form, guys, it really is meeting the needs of the people. You see, would you not say that our Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus, was what? He was radical? He was radical, wasn't he? And so he's going to do the same thing. John chapter 6, look at verse 1 with me, and we'll read this pretty quick. It says this, After these things... Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, that's pretty cool because Galilee and Tiberias is the same sea. We were there, and it's just amazing. So guess what happens? Verse 2, Then a great multitude follow him because they saw the signs which he had performed on those who were diseased. So why are they following Jesus? We saw the signs. You healed the sick. We need to follow you. So now all of a sudden, Jesus gets over. He looks, and there is a multitude. There is a multitude. And Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted, lifted up his eyes, seeing the great multitude coming toward him. He asks a question, right? And he looks to one of his disciples, and he says, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat. And could you imagine, he's probably looking and he's putting his hand, he's like, Philip, hey, Philip, yes, Lord? Where are we gonna, where, where can we buy bread? To f-? And, and I mean, you're talking about a multitude coming up. Philip, what are we gonna do? Don't you just love Philip's answer? But he said this to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, notice, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. Don't you just love the answer? You're with God in the flesh. You've seen him do all kinds of... You've seen him raise people back to life. Was he dead? He's dead. Are you sure? He's dead. Watch it. Here comes Jesus. Boom. Get up. Right? I mean, this is crazy. You've seen it. You're like this. 
right? You're, you're texting your wife, baby, he just raised somebody to top. I'm sure it was, and, and she's saying, was he dead? No, he was dead. I've seen this most incredible thing. I've seen him walk on water. I've seen him do all these things. And now he comes to me and he asks me, where are we going to have all, where are we going to get some money? Well, you know what my answer was? Uh, I don't know, Lord, that's a, that's a lot of people. Even if we had, even if we had robbed a bank, still not enough to feed them. Still not enough to feed them. So, guess what? Look at verse 8. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's bro, said to him, Jesus, there is a lad, there's a little boy who has, what does he have, guys? He has five barley loaves and two small fish. You know what he has? He has a McDonald's filet of fish. That's what he has. He has two of them. His mama said, now, son, don't go out unless you take your lunch, right? Well, I'm going to follow Jesus. Well, here's your lunch. That's all they have. Now, here's what blows my mind, right? Stay with me. What was Andrew doing looking at the dude's fish anyway? I mean, he's like, what, what you got there? You know, I mean, the kid's carrying a lunch. Jesus might need that. You know, I just wonder, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, the scripture doesn't say, but we know that, that Andrew's like, hey, hey, Lord, he's got a filet of fish. He's got two of them. Um, <laughs> his mama thought that was enough for him. I mean, how is this going to be so much for, I mean, think about it, guys. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said in verse 10, listen, we can't meet the needs. Tell the people to go home. Jesus said, wow, all these people are hungry. I know. Let's, let's cut up some grass and we'll have salad. It, right? No, you know what Jesus did? Jesus knew what he was going to do. Notice he says, make the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place. And the men sat down, and the number was 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples and his disciples to those sitting down. Can you imagine? I don't know. How do you ask the little boy for his lunch? I mean, you know, here, here he is, and he's like this. I just want to see Jesus. I mean, he might be with parents or something. Hopefully, they didn't let him go by himself. And there he is, and he's holding his little lunchbox. I don't know what your, your, your favorite lunchbox was. You know, maybe it was Knight Rider or, you know, Superman or something. There he is. And he's like, hey, kid, give us your lunch. You say, what? Jesus needs your lunch. Well, Jesus needs it. I guess he's going to eat it. But Jesus had something else in mind, right? He's going to meet the needs. And notice what he says. He says, make him sit down. And so he says here, he gave him to the disciples, and the disciples started giving everybody what? Those sitting down. And likewise, the fish as much as they wanted. Everybody see that in verse um, 11? As much as they wanted? You know what you can put right next to that? A-Y-C-E. Why? All you can eat. Don't we love those? All you can eat. That's what it just said, right? Likewise, the fish, as much as they wanted. And I love that. Why? Listen, if you don't take anything else from this message, take this nugget home. God wants to give you much, much more than you ask for. It wasn't like, hey, listen, everybody gets a little piece. Here's, just a, here's a morsel. We're just going to keep you enough hungry so you can get home. They ate till they were full. 
And I just love that about Jesus. Why? Because that's who he is. He's radical. He wants to give us all you can eat. And so look at verse 12. And so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing's lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled what? 12 baskets with fragrance or fra- fragments of the ba- of five barley loaves, which are left over by those who had eaten. Then those men who had seen the sign that Jesus did said, truly, the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him a king. And he departed again to the mountain by himself alone, alone. You you know, a little bit later on, he's going to feed. You you remember this was the feeding of the 5,000. He's going to feed another group, about 4,000. And you know they make the same mistake? They, they eyewitness Jesus multiply and they make the same mistake with 4,000. Where are we going to get food? And you see, Jesus was always ready to meet the needs. He was ready to meet their needs. Okay, so back in the book of Acts, guys, we see that was a practical way. Now, something happened. Something happened that I believe that we can all relate to in this world. Look at verse 37, Acts chapter 9, verse 37. But it happened in those days that Tabitha became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Now, can we just agree this is really sad? Why? Because at first glance, here we saw somebody who was radically living, who was, who was giving money and, and sowing and helping widows and, 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 just, and just giving charitable deeds. All of a sudden, we're just like, are you kidding me? It just said that she died. And, and church, listen, if we can be honest, if we can be honest, don't we agree that we at this point go, it seems that life is unfair. Why? She's, she's doing good. She's not hurting anybody. She's not stealing anything. She's not a menace to society. She's helping. God, why did she die? And that's how we feel in our lives. That's how we feel in our lives when somebody who is preaching the gospel, somebody who is making an impact in this world, all of a sudden, oh, they took their final breath. They died. And, and we get so angry. Why, God? Why did you leave, and, and let's, let's be honest, why did you leave that person and take that person? Why did you just, that one is just more of a pain, and we need more people like him. Tabitha was doing the Lord's work, sowing and sharing the gospel. Why would God allow a precious saint like Tabitha to die when so many people are touched by her ministry? And let me give you the answer. Are you ready? Church, because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And when sin entered, guys, it fractured everyone and everything. That's what it did. It fractured everything. And Jesus came to restore us spiritually, and he's coming back to restore us physically. But right now we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that that we just don't know. I read about a pastor friend of mine on Facebook, whose 23-year-old son was in a car crash in California and lived on life support for about seven days and 
he ended up he ended up dying. He knew Jesus, he's on the other side, and we and to that we say amen, but we're just like, wow, could this be why? It hurts. Tabitha, why did you take Tabitha God? Why? Well, we live in a fallen world, but let me just jot this down, guys, and, and take this to heart. Okay, life is fragile. Life is fragile. Do me a favor. Tell the people you, tell your family, tell those closest to you, love them every day. Tell them. Don't take them for granted. Don't walk out the door without saying, I love you. Because life is fragile. Take some time to tell those around you that, that you truly love, that you love them and what they mean to you. I wonder, the Bible doesn't say, it's my opinion, but I wonder if there was somebody who going, you know, I've been wanting to have coffee with Tabitha and I wanted to tell her what she means to me and how much she's blessed me and I just never got around to it and I never, I never made the plan and I just never really, and now she's gone. And somebody says, well, sweetie, it's okay. You're going to see her again. She's in heaven. She's with Jesus. And you're going, yeah, but I missed the opportunity. Church, life is fragile and, and we just don't know. We cannot, we cannot take the day for granted. We can't. Tell somebody you love them. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them what they mean to you. How about an extended hug? It was Job chapter 14. And Job writes, Man is born of a woman in his few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like the shadow and does not continue. Paul writes that one day in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. As the scriptures be fulfilled, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he says, he gives us victory over sin and over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens, guys, is one day God is going to come back. Jesus is going to restore all things. And we're not going to have to worry about pain and death and separation. But for today, for today, we have to understand that principle. We live in a fallen world and life is fragile. Make the extra effort. Of course, Dorcas, right? She was known for good works and the acts of love. She was loved in the community. She, came, she became ill and died. And the believers who knew Dorcas heard that Peter was nearby. Look at verse 38 in Acts chapter 9. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two of them, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and he 
When he had come, they brought him into the upper room. Notice, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing their tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Can you imagine? What a great testimony. You see, the Bible doesn't say specifically uh, that the disciples at Joppa were hoping for Peter to come and rest. They just called for Peter. And when Peter got there, guess what he saw? He saw living testimony. Why? Because Dorcas lived radically and she had a living testimony. Why? Here were the widows weeping, going, look, this is what she made me. Look, this is what she made me. Look, look, this is a living testimony. Look, look, I'm saved because of her. Look, you know what? She gave me this and she told me about Jesus and I had an encounter and I'm saved. And that's what Peter saw. That's what Peter saw. Guys, just a thought, okay, just a thought. We are called what? Guys, we, when, when we love God and we love people and we live radically, even after we're gone, our lives will continue to mean something. They're for something. Listen, you were not put on this earth to simply exist. That is a lie from the devil. Oh, you, I'm just existing. Your life in Christ, you are meant for so much more. Your life is meant for so much more. You have to believe that. You have to live beyond yourself. You have to live with faith and say, God, I, I was, I'm, I was, I was, I'm here. And I'm, and I want to live for so much more than, than what, than what my little life can do. How does she do it? Sewing. Sewing. And yet she had a wonderful living testimony. Listen, I don't want people to name a building after me when I die. I want people to be saved. I want want to have a living testimony where people go, I remember that dude. He was what? He was radical for Jesus. He was on fire. Man. He believed what he spoke about. Peter, verse 40, he put them all out, knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her a hand and he lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. Look at verse 42. And it, came, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. If you're an underliner, that's a good place to underline. And you go, why? Because the reason that Peter did that, guys, was that people would believe in Jesus. And Calvary Chapel Joppa exploded, and there were people everywhere. It doesn't say that, does it? Why? Because Calvary Chapel doesn't save you. No church saves you. It's Jesus. And when you live radical... Guys, when you get up like Zacchaeus and you change and you get up like Daniel and you purpose to live your life or you just say, listen, I can meet somebody's need. Guess what happened? Many will believe on the Lord. Many will believe on the Lord. All right, so we got to close. We got to close. Let's close with this. Dorcas is a fine example 
of how we're to meet the needs around us. Amen? Radical. You go, how? Okay. Number one, as believers, guys, we are first commanded, you ready? To remember the poor. To remember the poor. Galatians chapter 2, verse 10 says, they desired only that she, we should remember the poor, the very thing in which I was also eager to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to remember the poor. That's first and foremost. You want to meet the need of somebody? Just remember the poor. It's hard to witness to them with their growling stomachs. Let's try to meet the need physically, and then we can tell them about Jesus. Why? You ready? Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Number two, number two. As believers in Christ, guys, we are to remember that the religion that God our Father accepts is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Terry and Crystal have a great ministry to foster kids. James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Guys, we need to remember those. We need to remember. We need to remember. Orphans, kids, and widows. Number three. We see that the story of Dorcas and how the body of Christ functions as a whole. You guys with me? We are united in Christ and believers in Joppa mourn the loss of Dorcas as close family members. Here's my point. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be equal concern for each other. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26, there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Guys, that's what he says. He says, listen, first and fourth, third, we should, just, we should be loving each other in the body of Christ. We're supposed to be doing life together. How do you meet the needs for somebody? Sometimes it's just doing life with somebody. You go, what does that mean? Maybe they're not poor. Maybe they don't need a physical need, but maybe they need somebody that this just needs to go out and have a cup of coffee with and be a friend. Just be a friend. Because we're part of the body. What does it mean, church? What does it mean to meet the needs of others? Like Tabitha, here's what it means. You ready? It means that we love Jesus more than we love life itself. It's been said, guys, we don't follow Jesus because he's going to make our life better, but we follow Jesus because he's better than life. And if you truly want to live radically for Jesus, follow the example of Dorcas. Follow the example of Tabitha. How so? Number one, wake up every day in purpose to live for Jesus purpose. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to live for you, Lord. Number two, don't allow the world to compromise your thinking. Your thinking. Well, Ben, I'm going to meet the needs and they're not going to be grateful. That's okay. God sees. God sees. Number three, walk humbly with a servant's attitude. Walk humbly with a servant's attitude. Number four, 
A true leader is one who knows how to follow. A true leader is one who knows how to follow. And you ready? In this world, you ready, guys? Use your gifts and talents to meet the needs of others. In, so, in doing so, you might win them to Christ. You might win them to Christ. That's what it's about, guys. Living radically, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. Thank you for your great love. And Father, we do wish to have an encounter with you. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Lord, we don't want to come here to just hear another sermon. We want to have an encounter with you. My prayer, Lord, while, while everyone is praying with me, my prayer, Lord, is that everyone in this auditorium would be radically saved. And Father, my prayer is that if they are playing church or they're, or they're just confused or maybe they just have questions, I pray that they would have a true encounter with you. And so, God, I ask that as your spirit moves, Lord, that if anyone's here today and you haven't had a real encounter with God, that I pray today that you would talk to us. You would, you would, you would say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I, I just I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to have this encounter because he's already been speaking to you. And all you have to do is respond. So as we end this prayer and the music comes on, if you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to do so today, we're here and we'll pray with you. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. See you on Sunday. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.